Welcome to the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts, please follow, hit the like button, or any subscribes. It really helps us with the algorithms. Santa Cruz Coffee Break is produced by the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum. All opinions are those of the speakers. We invite you to join us on the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at SCGCPF for more fun. Now, let's get on with this installment of Santa Cruz Coffee Break. We would like to welcome Isaac Chang, um, a guitar maker from Southern California, and to the Santa Cruz Guitar Players podcast, which is a little unusual for us because we're talking about somebody else's guitars. But Isaac, <laughs> Isaac and Richard are, are really good friends, and, and Richard, said, Richard asked us if we'd talk to Isaac. So we are here today, and we are really excited after what I saw. I think I saw one of your guitars at Fretboard Summit. And then I've been seeing some Facebook posts. And from what I see on the web, you make lovely, lovely instruments. So welcome, Isaac. Thank you. And thank you for having me at uh, Santa Cruz podcast. That's, yeah, this is really fun <laughs> already. Well, let, let's start by finding out um, what's your background? Uh, where do you come from? And, and how did you get involved with guitars? Okay, my name is Isaac Jang. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, and I'm originally from Korea. I moved out here when I was 12, grew up here, basically the rest of my life here. Um, and I went to a guitar making school at Brian Gallup's in Michigan for two months. And upon finishing the school, I came down back to LA, apprenticed with my wonderful mentor, Kathy Wingert, for 10 years. And while I was apprenticing, I've also worked at Westwood Music in the repair shop. So I've worked with Fred Wallachy, whom I dearly love and learned a lot of repairs, but also just, uh, just seeing how he interacted with musicians and clients. That was sort of a big um, learning experience for me. And that's where I, I actually met Richard and got connected with Santa Cruz Guitar Company because we did a lot of repairs. We sold what well, Santa Cruz Guitar didn't really need a lot of repairs, but we did uh, some warranty work and sold their guitars. And Richard uh, invited me over to the Santa Cruz Guitar Company for a crash course. And I spent uh, a one full day uh, going over sort of how they uh, went about doing the repairs. And then we had more interactions after that. And um, now I am building my own guitars under Isaac Jang guitars. Uh, and I have been building my own guitars for about nine or 10 years at this point. And uh, started out in a small shop in Hollywood and expanded into a bigger shop uh, in downtown Alhambra, just by the uh, south of Pasadena. And uh, just a very small number of instruments a year, maybe like six to eight guitars a year. Uh, and uh, that's where I am. And that's what I've been doing now full time. Quite a, uh, quite a resume. <laughs> uh, 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 the, uh, um, 
the wallet connection is is extremely wonderful because I I know a little bit about about him. I knew him a little bit when I lived in Los Angeles, and he really does have a very good rapport. And every musician in LA knows him. Everyone, <laughs> I think he's either worked on their guitars or sold them something or or you know had had lunch with him at, at one point or another. But what a wonderful guy and uh, Kathy Wingert. Yeah, that's, that's that's the moon right there. So, congratulations on on that kind of that that kind of opportunity, and uh, it, it it fascinating, isn't it, Tad? As we're in this time when we're talking about forgiveness of college loans and things like that, that in two months, and not four years, and. Uh, it, to, to, to get a visual a visual degree is a four to a seven year degree and in two months you're building guitars that are or you're you're on your life path which is right. fantastic it, it, it's really mm -hmm. fantastic yeah it was uh, a really good experience for me uh, because I went there with very minimal understanding of how guitars really worked I mean I tinkered around guitars but not in a systematic or methodical or methodical manner so i went there set myself a uh, they set me up a very strong firm foundation which helped me to get into or get my foot in the door to the guitar world so what 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 was your uh, motivation to go to luthery school well i mean did you come from a background as a musician or as a craftsperson uh, or just wanting to get out of the house? <laughs> <laughs> what got me started was uh, I started playing guitar when I was uh, in the middle, in middle school and just playing at a uh, local church and just got, I got intrigued. So I just kept playing and I really liked the guitars, but, you know, I knew my career path, that wasn't really going to be uh, what I could pursue uh, with my skills that I had, or that's what I sort of kind of figured as like, well, you know, there's so many great players out there. I don't think I could, um, you know, make it out there. So um, I just sort of explored around. And in the meantime, I also uh, encountered a video footage of this amazing acoustic guitar player because I started out as an electric guitar player and I saw this amazing man playing acoustic guitar like electric guitar later I found out it was Tommy Emanuel uh -huh. and that was like whoa as an eye-opening experience uh, and the whole sound of acoustic guitar aspect really uh, intrigued uh, my curiosity and I wanted to sort of find out more about uh, what that entailed and that's sort of what got me into the whole guitar world so it looks like you're on maybe the third floor or so you're up in the air there i mean you've got a hell of a view out your shop windows there that's a enviable shop i i i'm very grateful uh it's a second story building but it is at the level of maybe like a third or fourth floor um, it's a commercial building uh, that was, I think, was a designated bomb shelter at one point. Uh, it's an old <laughs> building, um, no elevator, so 31 steps up with 
a lot of machines to bring up. So I had to hire professionals. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm here. I don't think I want to move out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so how much space do you have? Uh, this uh, shop, I have 1,300 square feet. Uh, my yeah. old my old workshop was 180 square feet. <laughs> 1300 that that that's a nice size. That's very usable, very workable. Yeah, I'm still getting used to it. Tad is quite a a woodworker himself with with quite a, a an amazing shop. Um in fact, we were down there last summer to buy a bandsaw from somebody just a little bit north of Alhambra. We drove down in one day, loaded it in his pickup truck and drove it back. And I think wow. that, I think it was his fifth bandsaw. Wow. Yeah, well. He's, he has a tool, tool problem. Yeah, yeah. What, is, what did you pick up? Uh, it, was, it was a Davis and Wells 20 inch. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, it was one of those things. It was on eBay, just ridiculously cheap because he would he wouldn't ship it and you know nobody i don't think people buy 900 pound machines off of ebay on a regular basis so um yeah so got it ridiculously cheap and and it was a fun drive down with richard and it was a fun restoration project but i have come to my senses i'm now down to only three bandsaws maybe maybe four three three probably um, wow that's amazing yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, let's talk about tools. How, how, what are you using to build? I mean, what are your, um, that's a challenge I know for a lot of craftspeople is finding good quality tools these days. Um, exactly. Uh, I have a minimal uh, collection of power tools, uh, I guess basic power tools. When I moved into this shop, I had to expand it a little bit more, but let me run down of what I have, as I can see here. I am a big fan of Inca tools. Uh, I have, I started out with my small Inca bandsaw. The, is that the eight inch one? The, 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 the 340, the 10 inch. 340, yes, the 10 inch. I have that one. I've been using that forever. Um, and I have a Inca 570, which is the Tursa head jointer. I love that thing. Um, and all my tools are uh, 110 volt. I had a limitation for the electricity here. Um, so I'm sort of limited to that. And from there, I have a Laguna a 14BX for my resawing uh, work. Uh, I have a Powermatic 14 inch. I'm looking here. I have my Powermatic drum sander that's 2244, the open-ended one, and I have a jet edge sander, powermatic drill press, uh, spindle sander. So it's sort of a very basic tools. Uh, some of my uh, fun tools are my mini, uh, I think Jim Burns makes this table saw. It's like a modeler saw that I use for fret slotting only. Basically, I'm sort of scared of ten table saw. Uh, so I stay away from it as much as possible. Uh, and rest of it is just mostly uh, hand tools. I have a uh, fun collection of Japanese chisels and hand saws and a lot of different tools that I just, I like to work with. And 
all kinds of sandpapers uh, for finish work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably spent a little too much money on the sandpapers, but yeah, I have bought various kinds from 3M to uh, these Japanese brands that are really, really fun, uh, that are very uh, consistent in cut, but cuts very fast um, and all different kinds. So. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't realize how important sandpaper is in producing a really, really fine wood finish, um, which is one of the things people look for in, in guitars like yours is, you know, they're, they're not tolerant of anything that isn't finished almost perfectly. So uh, it's yeah. a part and of I, sandpaper. Yeah, and I've gotten uh, into the uh, habit of using my uh, sort of hand cutting tools and scrapers to get it to the much closer so that I'm touching my guitars uh, at the roughest, maybe 150, that's for the necks. But on the bodies, I'm probably starting around 220 to 320 most of the time. Uh, and that's because in my old small shop, I had to sort of minimize the dust creating practice uh even though i have a downdraft table uh with me i like to sort of minimize some of those aspects so i've just gotten to the habit of cutting with a handsaw plane it and then scrape it and then just give it a little finesse with 320 or 600 depending on the applications but that's uh sort of my habit these days excellent so, um, and then the other half part of the, the project that's going to be probably even harder than getting good tools is wood. Um, <laughs> how have you managed to come up? I've, I've been looking at some of your guitars online and uh, you've come up with some amazing pieces of wood for somebody who's been in the business as short a time as you have. Yeah, I, I am very grateful because uh, Kathy told me early on that wood is going to be my biggest asset. Uh, so she said, every time you get an extra cash, uh, put that aside. And whenever you get a chance to buy wood, you buy wood. And I think uh, that has been uh, a good practice. So by the time I moved into my own shop, I already had enough wood maybe to get 50 guitars. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I, that was already what back in 2007 2008 i mean that was at, even at then it was hard to get good wood but uh i was still able to find some of them uh and of and also uh, i think richard and carolyn helped me source some of the woods uh, uh through their connections so i'm very grateful for that too uh, but yeah it's it's an ongoing journey and also uh, finding making guitars with such wood brings in more attraction from different people who have quality woods. So I would actually get contacted by other people who would just say, hey, I have this wood, you want it? So I would get connected with some of that. So it's sort of like a snowball um, effect. Excellent, excellent. So your, your guitars, um, how do you approach building a guitar? What is, what is your, I, I guess I should ask first, how many of your guitars do you build spec and how many are built as specific commissions for individuals who are reaching out to you? I started out as uh, building a couple of specs for a show, uh, but I think 
as soon as I went to my very first show back in 2015 at Memphis, I received uh, quite a few orders to the point where I had to build my own shop. So at the time, I was uh, utilizing my work spaces. I was using, uh, borrowing a bench at Kathy's shop, uh, using some of my building benches at the school that I was teaching at Musicians Institute in Hollywood. We had a guitar craft academy. So I was able to use their workspace. But at the at one point, I was like, I can't do all of this, you know, remotely or not remotely, but sort of outside of my, I need to, to consolidate everything. So uh, from then on, basically everything that I've been building is all custom orders. Uh, I tried to slip in one or two spec guitars, uh, but I couldn't keep up with the orders to fulfill. Um, I, I think it's because I'm only building a few guitars a year. So that's probably the reason. And I'm very slow. <laughs> that, that's not a bad problem to have. <laughs> so when when you work with somebody to build a guitar, how do you approach it? What's your approach when a customer comes to you and says, hey, I got lots of money, build me a guitar? <laughs> uh, I start out with uh, asking questions about what their current go-to guitar is. And that gives me a reference to what kind of the sound that they're used to or that they're uh, pursuing. And I have a lot of conversation about that because uh, what I tend to do is I sort of put a lot of those conversation and information in my head and when I start picking out the wood to building and voicing instruments I uh, sort of use the internal information to come up with the sound design in my head to sort of hear what I hear from the wood and then sort of as I'm building tapping the wood I like to sort of translate all that infuse that into my process so uh, that means I have to have a lot of conversation with each client uh, who comes to me and uh, sort of figure out what I'm building for them and also one of the things that I do is get a uh, or ask for a tracing of their left hand ask for their height um, so that I could build a sort of custom profile next uh, and also with the body depth, I can sort of adjust everything according to the uh, the person's uh, height and ergonomic features sort of all mixed in there. So um, while my guitars look very uh, sort of generic, a lot of features that I do are actually very customized. A, a tracing of their hand, eh? That, that's a technique I've never heard of before. Well, actually, uh, I picked it up from Irvin Samaji. Irvin Samaji uh -huh. uh, used to do that. I don't know if he still does it, but that is a uh, one of the ways for me to visualize what a uh, you know what the client would actually sort of hold, um, and that I could put my hand over that, and that would usually be my reference point to hold the neck and get the neck width and profile thickness and all of those uh, points. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a great idea. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What a great I, idea. 
The other thing I noticed in, in looking at some of your guitars, you incorporate some some really intriguing visual and design elements um, into your guitars. Uh, can you tell us where those came from? Are those an evolution of other things you've seen or are they just inspirational? Uh, if you're referring to the bend away, the cutaway that I do, uh, that actually comes from a, a legendary guitar maker in Japan named Mitsuhiro Uchida. And he, I believe he worked for Loudon back in the 80s, but he's now uh, sort of at the point where he's not accepting orders uh, because he's so uh, backlogged uh, from the early years. Uh, but he, when you look at his guitars, there's a lot of those sort of twisting of geometry and and I'm only borrowing a, a very small portion of his design and uh, with his permission, of course, uh, I actually called him and he was so gracious to uh, let me use it. Oh, of course. And he sent me a bunch of other pictures and it's like, oh, take a look what I'm working on now. And I've just been forever grateful for that because uh, that's sort of a key uh, elements that, I'm, that I've incorporated into my guitars. But the other aspect that you're seeing a lot of different lines and curves on my guitars are all from Kathy uh, because spending 10 years with somebody while they're not the exact curvatures and lines, it's something that you get your eyes accustomed to. So you become familiar with certain lines and curves on the guitar. And the guitars are not just one single 2D uh, two-dimensional curves when you look at from the front view it's everywhere you hold the guitar you hold it from different angles you're trying to see the lines that has to really uh flow and one of the things that kathy taught me is when you make a guitar put a design put it on the wall look at it every time you pass by it make a correction back and forth and that sort of has been a uh, way for me to uh come up with a uh, some of the designs that I do and also uh, a lot of my designs are I try to keep it minimal because when I first started out uh, I wanted to sort of make the guitar more about the sound rather than catching your eye per se because uh, that's what I spend most of my time uh, at Kathy's is really coming up with the fine-tuning all the components so that I can get the sound quality that I'm looking for. So that was sort of way, sort of my way to present my guitar. And uh, that also became my feature at one point because, oh, I like the minimal design. I'm like, oh, thank you. So I just kind of capped at it, of course, making small variations here and there. But um, that, yeah, that's been my uh, approach. Yeah, I have to admit that I've not had the opportunity to see or hear one of your guitars in person, uh, but they sure do record well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So um, what about other aspects? I mean, what sizes of guitars have you built? Uh, I've only seen a half a dozen or so online. I don't know. Are you specializing in any particular size or style, or are you still exploring all that? Uh, I build highly customizable instruments. Uh, although about 90% of my 
current commissions are all OMs. And my OMs that I build are more in the tradition, uh, more in the modern style, <clears throat> meaning they're slightly wider at the lower bout. And I customize the body depth sort of in a very high uh, variance, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, because of different tonal pursuits or qualities that each client is looking for and also for ergonomic reasons. And uh, so, because I can. <laughs> so, uh, and in the past I've off, oh, I built dreadnoughts as well, but I've haven't really built many dreadnoughts. I offer a small jumbo that has a 16 inch lower bout. Uh, and I built a unique instruments to to me, which was uh, a dress cubano. Uh, that's a Cuban instruments. It's a three doubles, mm. and uh, it's a it's a Cuban instruments, but basically built out of like a double O size guitar, and uh, has uh, yeah just different spacing. Uh, and that client actually came through Richard. Uh, Richard Hoover sent me his friend uh, San Miguel Perez, who is fantastic he's a virtuoso uh as cubano player but he's also a great guitar player and he's been touring with uh, colin hay at man at work and uh so i built that instrument for him maybe about eight nine years ago so that was sort of a custom instrument um and i have just so i always come up with different ideas but right now i'm fulfilling some orders that are um overdue and and when I get some extra time, I could probably come up with more. But I also offer like double O size that are based off like L double O Gibson style. So, you know, all different types of instruments uh, in progress or in queue. Very nice. Very nice. You, uh, you just came back from the fretboard summit. Yeah, that was a fantastic, amazing show uh mostly uh I, I hate to use the word bullpen but just one room where all the makers were in or were you in little areas or separate areas in the hall or you guys just in a big in a big in a big group how many were there uh there were about 50 guitar makers and we were placed in on a same floor but smaller rooms so each room had maybe about 10 to 15 builders and so that in about three different rooms uh, and then there were uh, other rooms that were dedicated for sort of bigger companies like Hollings, Martin uh, and then there's a electric guitar makers uh, lounge in the different floor so they were sort of divided into different big rooms. Uh, and I think given the fact that it's a uh, actual music school, it's a beautiful school. Um, and it, may, it made sense. And people were sort of navigating different rooms and having uh, just checking out guitars. So a little bit different than the traditional style of guitar shows where you see you know, just a big hall, maybe two big halls and different guitars. Uh, Nicer. Old Town School of Folk Music was the first place I ever saw a performer 
and it happened to be Doc Watson, and I think it was 1963 or 1964. Mm -hmm. and, and I could, you know, I could take the train into, into Chicago and uh, saw Doc and Merrill and, and just my world just opened up, you know. Wow. Just opened up. That's yeah. amazing. And you, yeah. took, you took some instruments there. You had a couple instruments with you. Just one. <laughs> yeah, um, I have been working on a series of guitars uh, that I started maybe two years ago because um, I was trying to catch up from all my backlog. And in the, in the while, I was setting up my new shop and I had my first child. Uh, so that was all happening in the last two years. Uh, and that the one the guitar that I took to the show was one of the uh, seven uh, guitars that I've been working on for basically past two years. Uh, and uh, that guitar is now shipped and delivered to a happy customer. <laughs> yeah, having having a baby can definitely make getting things done um, a little mm -hmm. more challenging. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I try to still trying to figure out how to work this. I mean, I'm not used to rescheduling things because I'm usually I could usually make things happen. I'm like, oh, but my child, oh, <laughs> you know, things are now. Uh, I understand what it means to uh, go pick up a child from school. I was like, oh, okay, so that's <laughs> what it's like. Yeah, uh, happy to say I'm beyond that finally. <laughs> and are are you doing your own finishing? I am. Uh, and that was actually also uh, with a big help from Santa Cruz Guitar Company. Um, I've been talking, well, I talked to uh, Glenn Nichols. I don't know if you know him. He was uh, a finisher a while back and he went on to uh, work with Kenny Hill. Uh, later, he went to work with Bill. Uh, uh, I'm spacing out. Bill Tippin, and now he's building his own beautiful electric guitars under retrograde. Uh, but he gave me a lot of information on the building schedule, uh, the finishing schedule. And of course, Adam Stark has been a great resource. Uh, he's been a big help. And Steven Strom, a lot of the Santa Cruz, uh, sort of the, the family members, uh, they all have been an amazing help. So I have my little touch up area that I call in my shop. And, uh, I spare my finish and nitro and it gives me a lot of control and uh, it's, it's, I would say it's sort of a love and hate relationship because I like the experience of really being able to see the guitar that I've been working on for like, you know, eight weeks. And then first layer of sealer you put on there, just whole thing just glows and I feel privileged to have that experience myself. And then of course, after that, it's all sanding for like, I don't know, two, three days nonstop. And then your moment that you're finally buffing and you're seeing the whole thing in sort of glass, shiny, uh, a piece of guitar body and neck. I mean, that's very uh, rewarding, but of course it's also uh, endlessly chasing after small details and, reflecting through different kinds of lights. I mean, I'm using fluorescent, incandescent, 
halogen light, LED, I mean, all different, four different lights because they show different things on the finish. So I sort of, yeah, always chasing and talking to other builders uh, almost on weekly basis to talk about different techniques and approaches. I mean, it's a uh, unending journey, but I'm having fun. <laughs> that's That's quite amazing. I mean, that finishing is such a, difficult process for so many builders um it's almost like a, a craft in and of itself um mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting that you're able to fit that in in the shop because a lot of people um would have a hard time fitting a a, a proper finishing space into a workshop um the, the... that yeah that was not part of my plan to do that <laughs> originally um <laughs> uh, I, when I worked at the school that I, I taught at, they're now discontinued from COVID, uh, but we had a spray booth that was grandfathered in from years ago because it used to be a ESP guitar company, but it turned oh. into a guitar uh, classroom. So I had to teach guitar finishing as part of the course program. And I had a spray booth. So I was like, well, I guess I have to sort of do it. And uh, I kind of wanted to avoid doing finish work uh, I mean, for all different reasons. Uh, and I just told myself, okay, I'm going to just do my first 10 guitars. I'll just do the finish work. And then from there, I'm going to maybe outsource it because, you know, Adam Stark is amazing. I mean, his finishes are just, I mean, 11 out of 10. I mean, just phenomenal so that was my original plan but after doing about 10 guitars i got hooked <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so it was sort of like you know once you get hooked and you just kind of have a hard time letting go um so i'm still finishing my guitars uh to this point maybe it might change maybe it might not uh, but that was that's just yeah how i kind of got doing my own finish work well especially getting that very first code on it gives you a chance to see right then if there's any problems any issues any anything uh and mm -hmm. sending something in the wide off to somebody else to finish you may miss some of those little things of course oh my goodness it, it, was a... <laughs> it can also lead to being, being hypercritical <laughs> you know you know uh, I feel like I became a better woodworker or better better at building guitars because I had to do my own finish because I put the first sealer. I'm like, oops, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? So I had to come back and basically correct everything and everything shows under the finish. So I had to really mind, be mindful of what I did and how I approached guitar making. So I made pretty significant corrections in my first five guitars and then from there it's a small subtle uh refinement but uh like you said you you can see it every, like oh oops <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's better when the oops is in your shop rather than getting a call from the finisher saying uh <laughs> yeah yeah and there's just so many corners and you know different crevices you're uh, finessing uh, 
on your woodworking of the guitar and then when it comes to finish i sort of felt like oh man this is a lot of doing small things kind of getting into all different areas and it was yeah i just felt like i had to do it um because i sort of knew where things were so it was sort of easier for me to connect those when i did my finished work perfect perfect so um I don't know. Is there anything more you want to tell us about your, your guitar I, I, building? Or your I, I want. I want to know. I want to know the best piece of advice you think you've ever gotten. Ooh. Best advice. Ah, Fred Wallachy told me. I don't know if it's quote unquote, but he said, "There's not much traffic in your extra five miles or so." So that. <laughs> And that that was sort of the best advice that I actually still in my heart that I take it, live it, because especially working alone, it's a lot of uh, inner struggle to uh, to your work. You look at the guitar like, oh, is it good enough? No. Uh, and it's like there's and he really kind of nailed that for me because I spent a lot of time. Uh, by myself and I had to really fight that and when I spent uh, a week at Santa Cruz Guitar Company uh, uh, with Darren and I went there to sort of help out with the warranty repairs uh, for about a week and what I learned and saw was there is a very strong uh, accountability system so when you're working on a guitar, you have other uh, colleagues look at your guitar or the part of the work you're working on and have them check. And if it's not good enough, it's getting sent back. And that is something that I thought was amazing because it's hard to get the kind of accountability system working by yourself. So I had to sort of take that and then sort of put myself into that shoes every time I'm working on my own guitars now back in my shop say well nah all right going back so i had to sort of do that back and forth um uh, but that was also a just yeah really good uh experience that i uh sort of took took on interesting so should we ask him our, our usual questions what like the first one is always what would be your Desert Island album? Yeah, I was going to ask him if he listened to music, if he listens to music when he's working or if it's quiet. It varies. I would go through the phase of listening to podcasts. I would go through the, list, uh, to the phase of listening to music. And then uh, some critical aspect of guitar making, uh, complete silence, uh, nothing else just but would because I have to really listen to that but a lot of uh, sort of different tasks that requires like no listening of the actual wood uh, running like, processing parts uh, I listen to music most of the time and some podcasts so Desert Island album mm. <laughs> just today yeah it can just be today just today we, we aren't actually going to put you on the desert island with it so 
Uh, Eric Clapton. Pierce uh, Evan. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that, interesting. Yeah. It, and actually, it, uh, Darren Webb, uh, he gave me a piece of maple that belonged to Eric Clapton's neck. I still have it somewhere. <laughs> FTC number 16, I think that was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I only know because I have FTC number 17. So it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I, that, that, it's interesting. And you don't make classicals. And yet that that's a real Ramirez record. Mm-hmm. you know yeah it's it's just something about that sound just the whole album i just yeah it was something that i grew up on and uh yeah i just love that cool. yeah and, so, and something that i have also uh sort of uh kind of grew into is more more that um i started out as listening to acoustic guitar only sort of music for a really long period of time, but I've started to become a little bit more uh, aware and open and start to actually like sort of music as a whole, like uh, with the guitar music, whether it's the guitar music or music that has guitars in it. And I'm starting to hear uh, more and more of that and uh, into my playlist and collections, so. Do you play yourself? Yeah, I do. a little, a little. Yeah, just not as much as I like to because my fingers are all always usually all like you know, sanded down. <laughs> uh, my nails are every time I try to grow a little bit nail, it's like oh, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, Tad, you got any other questions? You you took us you took us through a wonderful tour, a really yeah. wonderful wonderful tour. Yeah, I, I, I just I think that the shop just from what we're seeing just looks beautiful. I mean, to have a, a shop with big windows and a view that just just so exciting. I mean, I'm thinking about my little warehouse with no windows, and no skylights, but <laughs> but your space looks lovely. And, and I, I got to admit, you're lucky to have an Inca 570. Um, yeah. It's a hell of a machine. <laughs> It, yeah, it, it, I, it took me. It, <laughs> very few people are going to know what we're talking about, but you know, I at one point I did have two of them, and I sold one to to Leo Buendia. So um, he's got. Oh, a, so we were talking about that literally as he was going to pick it up uh, from you. So you you live like five blocks away from him. Well, it, yeah, not quite that close, but pretty close. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just, and we just have to get his head up with a nice uh, variable speed direct drive one of these days. So, wow. So, so that's good to know. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I basically told Leo, say, hey, because Mike Berenick and I were, well, Mike Berenick turned me on to the Inca five seventy, and um, I said, and I told that to Leo, I was like, hey, Leo, you need to get it. And so Leo found it. Like, oh, I just found it like, <laughs> you know, nearby my house. I'm like. That's crazy because that's not usually what how it happens with Inca 570. If anybody knows what that means, but it's <laughs> it, you know got the Tursa head and yeah, yeah. the whole whole package there. So amazing. 
So we'll, we'll consider starting a, an, an Inca 570 podcast at a later date. But for now, we'll leave <laughs> that between us. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we have Jesse uh, here at Eagle Tools. I mean, he's like 10 minutes away from me. And uh, so. Jesse Berrigan is the finest tool person I have ever known. I know Jesse going back, God, 45 years now. Um, I used I used to work at a place called the Cutting Edge in Berkeley, and he worked at the Cutting Edge in oh. Los Angeles or Beverly Hills. I don't remember. Um, wow. So yeah, yeah. Oh, it, so you, you're also the Inca expert then. I mean, if you worked at Cutting Edge, I know Greg Grant worked there. Yeah. Uh, and... Well, he worked in LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was up in Berkeley. Yeah. Um, oh, I wow. wouldn't say expert, but, but yeah, I've been through more than a few of those machines so uh, <laughs> the five amazing and, and the two you have are actually the two of them that are my favorites so that's <laughs> nice yeah i am yeah i feel very fortunate to have those two uh tools uh in my collection <laughs> very i love it very good <laughs> well i uh, i think it's been fun i mean it's been wonderful talking to you i mean now I understand why Richard recommended we talk to you because this has just been the blast. You're uh -huh. a great person. It would be great to uh, come down and visit you at some point. Um, but uh, we'll see how the world spins in, in the months and years ahead. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll invite you to Tad's in Berkeley. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah next I, time, I, I will love you're up there. You should see the shop. You should see his shop and see his collection. Oh, and uh, or, or if you need tools, let me know, because my wife is undoubtedly going to be happy to get rid of a lot of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, the think, first one. <laughs> I think I think I think we could also go to the wood world on that one, too. But, but we won't. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Thank oh, you. that's so cool. Yeah, thank you so much, and thank, thank you, you yeah, for really, really for taking the time out of a, a sick child and and all this. It's it, you really shared a beautiful spirit and a real passion and joy for what you do. Oh well, thank you, and I gotta definitely. I mean, big big thanks to Richard Hoover uh, for making me his friend. <laughs> uh, we met in Hillsburg. Uh, back as a me, I think back in 2008 as my first year in, uh, as an apprentice and he invited me to Santa Cruz Guitar Company and I was like oh wow I just went and he literally gave me personal tour for like two hours sent me down and talked and that still is like the biggest uh, memory that I have I mean you know with Richard and you know it's been going on since then even more but yeah he's been an amazing mentor in the business uh, big uncle, love Richard Hoover. So, thank you. We we will join you in those sentiments. Yes, absolutely. And we should say that that we will have links um, in the podcast to your website. And I know that you you sell through North American Guitar. Is there anybody else that that has any of your guitars? If people want to go um, looking, uh, I have about eleven dealers that i've uh you started oh i've worked in and of course i can't even deliver a guitar to them it, like it's i'm putting them in rotation for like every two years at this point but uh -huh. um but during guitars guitar gallery uh 
Craig Snyder CR guitars. Uh, they're my U.S. dealers. Uh, okay. Along with the North American guitars. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right. And people can get in touch with you through the website and get onto your waiting list, I assume. They could call me and email me. Yeah. However, they um, I'm reachable. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, Thank, thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, th th thanks for for spending the time with us. Really, we really appreciate it. Well, well, thank you for taking time to talk to me. I'm just a uh, <laughs> lowly guitar maker, just making guitars. <laughs> so I really appreciate that. Fantastic. Not a problem. We appreciate your efforts. Thank you very much. And try to stay dry in LA. And um, have a great afternoon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, you too. We'll see you soon in person. Yep. Hope so. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this installment of the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. For more music-related fun, please join the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at scgcpf or santacruzguitarplayers.com. If you have any questions or possible podcast topics, please contact us. If you have a product or service that you feel would be of value to our listeners, Please consider adding your support and keeping the coffee pot on. Contact us for more information. We ask that you hit the like, follow, bell, or bookmark buttons so we can keep you informed of upcoming podcast episodes. We hope you enjoyed Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Now it's time to go play your guitar.